Welcome to the Learner Space Conversations. My name is Gabriel Scheid, and uh, on every one of our episodes, I've started off by saying that we would host a space for conversations about change in education. And uh, as the Beatles song says, with a little help from my friends, we were able to weave a compelling and decisive narrative about change in education. This and the next episode will attempt to capture and compile some of our guests' most inspired moments so that they act as a sort of uh, reminder, uh, a synthesis, a summary of the main drivers for change in education. Hope you enjoy it. Our first guest this season was Dr. Yong Zhao. Dr. Zhao is a distinguished professor in the School of Education at the University of Kansas, a professor in Education and Leadership at the Melbourne Graduate School in Education. He's published over 100 articles and 30 books. He is one of the most influential voices in education today, somebody who's not afraid to say things as they are, uh, a personal friend, uh, a mentor. And in, in our conversation, Dr. Zhao advocated for the uniqueness of each human being as a centerpiece for education. I think education has been looking at the wrong thing. They've been looking at what we should be teaching students. I think we should look at who we have. I was hoping for change, but I don't see a lot of possibilities of change now. we're still trying to do a school without thinking about education. I know a lot of PD uh, are, you know, PD sessions are wasted, you know. I think we spend too much time training teachers to do the uh, technical things. What we need teachers to do is to understand the education, understand children. You know, am I teaching the curriculum or am I teaching the children? Am I helping each child to grow? I think that's what the human educators can do better than machines, you know. Education is about the growth of a human being. Every human being can be uniquely great, can be uniquely wonderful in their own way. And that unique greatness can be translated into solutions to problems of other people, to problems in the world, and then you create value. It was truly an honor to host, after Dr. Zhao, Mary Burton. Mary is a lifetime civil rights activist and fighter. Uh, she's lived in South Africa since 1961, and she's the former president of the white women's resistance organization, the Black Sash, where she fought alongside Nelson Mandela, Desmond Tutu, and many other civil rights pioneers. Uh, in abolishing apartheid, often at her own personal risk. Mary reflected on, on the world today, on how we needed to think before acting, and how her own life taught her that the surprising key to change is the attitude of those who enjoy privilege themselves. The injustice of being privileged was a burden to carry. We may have got rid of racial laws, but we haven't got rid of the divisions that exist in our society. 
we cannot go on with a situation in the world where a narrow band of wealthy people control their countries and the world's economies and a huge mass of people in so many countries live lives of the most desperate poverty. The color of somebody's skin is not the thing. The, the fact is that that represents something else. It represents um, a threat because the, to people who are light-skinned and privileged, the person who looks different from them also represents everything that they fear, loss and uh, a change of their lives. Um, whereas if those people simply had different color hair or different colored eyes, they would not be able to make the same divisions and the same excuses for racial differentiation. When I talk to, to school learners, um, they very often say to me, yes, I know that that is so, and that's what I, I want things to be, to change. But my parents say to me, get a, get a, get a good education and get out of this, um, either out of this country or get into a world where you will benefit. And so they have to struggle with that parental pressure to um, to succeed in the world as it is, rather than to change the world for the better. But it was the fact that apartheid was somehow, it epitomized difference. It epitomized uh, turning live human beings into objects who were a threat, who needed to be pushed aside, who didn't have rights. The South African example shows that reconciliation is not possible without justice. Uh, an economist who says that there is a very big difference but an importance between thinking and doing and that the thinking is as valuable as the doing and Mandela had 27 years to think. That takes us back to the question of education to teach our young people that yes you need to act and yes, you often need uh, an emotional impulse to make you act. But it's the thinking that comes beforehand and you're preparing yourself to take action that is hugely important. Mm -hmm. We were then joined by Ainsley Rose. Ainsley is another dear friend of mine. He's a super experienced educator, former principal, author, speaker, consultant, a person who epitomizes positive influence um, and he reflected on a lifetime of inspirational one-on-one -on -one encounters why education is still stuck in a in a sort of caste system and how great teachers make great leaders in order to be an outstanding leader you have to have been an outstanding teacher 
And I think very often that's not one of the criterion that we choose, that we use rather to choose our leadership in educational systems. Um, you know, this algorithmic way of teaching for me is stuffing the pig as opposed to them having passion and desire to want to learn more about something that they're, that they're, that they're driven and excited about. It's, it's uh, a narrow view of what needs to be done in the classroom to help teachers acquire a skill set that's going to propel them to have more kids successful at the end of the day. Ideally, we want people to be intrinsically motivated to do the work as opposed to having to expect that somebody outside is going to come and tell them what to do. And it tends to be a menu-driven approach. In other words, here are a whole bunch of things and we're going to put them on. Uh, we're going to give you a, a, an, a, an opportunity to decide amongst that stuff as opposed to, uh, or, or in fact, telling people this is what you're going to get trained on as opposed to trying to get from people themselves, if they thought deeply about it, what it is that they need in order to be able to develop their skill set further, specifically for them. The biggest mistakes that many school districts make is they simply lay this stuff on people as opposed to trying to derive from the evidence uh, where people are at with their practice and what they truly want to learn and get better at. By the time the grade three, they've lost the curiosity. They lost the desire to ask why about things. And so we have to be able to, you know, get back to what's going to drive kids, what, what's their passion and so forth. It's kind of some of the work that you've been doing in the learner space, for goodness sakes, is to try and build that, in, you know, that, that joy and passion for wanting to learn about things bigger than what we are now. Andre Mambren, whom we hosted next, lives in Calgary, in, in Alberta, in Canada. And uh, he's an architect of, of ideas and, and, and new and innovative concepts. He's a corporate consultant and uh, former director of the leadership development at the BAM Center. He's a co-founder and director of the Next Institute. And he has thousands of hours interviewing and coaching leaders all over the world. During our conversation, he shared some truly groundbreaking insights on the elements of leadership and how leaders can, can adapt to a world that is forever changing. You know, ego is a big factor with humans and with leaders. So the leaders that I've been around that, um, that were the most successful are leaders who could check their egos at the door and were more in service. And what I'm seeing now is a more and more uh, examples of toxic leadership, in both in the workplace and with organizations and with our political leaders. And I think the trend is going in a really uh, disconcerting way. Um, so this, you know, I don't know if charismatic, me personally, I don't know if charismatic leadership has served us well over the years. But all the leaders that I've worked with we're not always the best or most optimal leader. So I learned what you should do from watching what you shouldn't do or experiencing what you shouldn't do. I guess thoughtful enough to surround myself with people that are either uh, more experienced than me or better than me and or more capable than me. And <laughs> I learned 
young to collaborate and to work with smart people as a means for success. I, I think there's more pressure that brings out the, you know, the worst in human behavior, uh, pressure in terms of, um, uh, you know, generating results, uh, stock options, short-term, uh, what I call short-term leadership. You know, never has the need for great leaders been more than now with many of the challenges in the world and with organizations. I think leaders can never, ever stop learning. So that's the one thing um, that, you know, that all great leaders have in common. Creating a product or a service that, that endures is not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. Um, I think it's possible for sure. And I think more and more organizations and leaders are thinking this way, um, but it's not the norm. Pavel Luksha lives in, in Moscow in Russia, and uh, he is the founder and director of the Global Education Futures Initiative. He's a professor of practice at the Moscow School of Management and he works mostly on the transformation of the higher and professional education sector. We had a, a very thought-provoking conversation with Pavel in which he expanded his views on how we're facing a, a really complex future and, and how we cannot really meet those challenges, the challenges of that complex future with uh, simple solutions. It's, it's, it's called the shock of the future. We are facing um, a future that is much more complex than anything we've seen before. We try to answer our challenges with simple answers. It, it, it is not possible. We will have to learn. We will be pushed into learning by, by the reality or we will go there voluntarily. But before discovering what the next stage consciousness, what the next stage uh, let's say evolution uh, stage of the humanity calls from us uh, it might be let's say a painful uh, process uh, we take so much advance uh, in uh, all kinds of uh, human affairs uh, technological social and so on but we don't see that much progress in education because education is something that um, you live through, that implies a direct human connection. And unless you are a practitioner educator, you cannot uh, think about the future of education. I, I would like all of us to uh, think about is, what if there were no uh, schools or universities? What if we had to create uh, the learning system that supports human beings um, beginning in 2021. What, uh, what would be our design? That it supports the holistic learning, it supports the whole person learning. So it needs to engage our um, uh, intellectual side as much as our emotional side, as much as our bodies as much as our abilities to relate to one another. We know that life is changing so fast that it's better for us not to prepare uh, our students for what has been in the past, but let them 
co-design and co-create uh, the future that we anticipate. We learned from COVID, and I think we need to recognize this, is that it showed us that the system is capable of change. What it showed us is that uh, when we try to do online learning by just uh, transferring uh, the, the, let's say, the traditional school practices uh, into new media, uh, the whole process collapses. Uh, see, okay, there is no monopoly of school anymore in this online space, so uh, a student can uh, shut down the teachers. When we uh, deal with uh, individual and collective um, success stories, they are not um, determined by statistics. We are not uh, statistical cases, we are individual fates and, and stories that unfold uh, as life quests. Uh, it's, it's the critical mass uh, building needs to be also very smart because we need to uh, engage influencers, we need to engage policy makers, uh, impact investors and so on and so on to really proliferate this new paradigm. The ecosystems of assessment uh, with, with different perspectives that measure your uh, uh, your cognitive abilities, your emotional abilities, your uh, uh, physical abilities, and and even your uh, let's say deeper psychological abilities. And then we were very lucky to host Dr. Passy Salberg. Passy is uh, another good friend of mine. Uh, he's a Finnish educator. He currently lives in in Australia. Back in 2013, his book, Finnish Lessons, What Can the World Learn from Educational Change in Finland, not only won numerous awards, but it was a, one of the top selling books in education for many years. And uh, Passi was the authorized and, and most notable and prominent voice on how Finland uh, is one of the leading countries and one of the leading education systems in the world. He is currently professor of education policy at the University of New South Wales in, in Sydney in Australia and, and Passy shared with us his very unique perspective on the world of education and his hopes for how students can jumpstart a global movement, a, a true revolution for an education system that best serves their own needs. There's no, no kind of a uh, textbook to show what to do next that people realize that you know if only I had been I had been you know educated to think more creatively or a little bit more out of the box or have a little bit more flexible school and arrangements that maybe we would have had better better solutions asking people and school systems to to uh, not to return back to the the old normal but really rethink and reimagine the, the schoolings used to say that you know, uh, unless we are able to change the power relations within the school and, and within the school system, nothing's going to change. That we, we're just going to um, follow this this um, old wisdom that more more, the th more we try to things uh, change things, that the, the more they remain, remain the same. Real, I think we're going to see more students in the future, just like the students are leading the 
the, the global uh, climate change um, campaign and movement that they, the next thing that they, they they're going to do is to you know drive this global educational change movement and try to transform the school systems to something that they really feel will give them like kind of a things that they need for the future you know, it's absolutely clear every mother or father knows this that you know if your kid is not feeling well if uh, if he or she has you know, mental health issues, it doesn't matter what you know or what grades you have, you're not going to be successful if you are not able to kind of show and and, um, and, and demonstrate that you have you have a kind of a good, solid uh, foundation and, and, and crown in your health and well-being. Kind of an overall story, the big story of uh, PISA is like, you know, any other significant social metric that we have had in our lives. It always happens that, you, you, you know, the good intention and ideas turn into something that are manipulated and, and misused and you know this is by no means to to only blame the OECD or any individual people there but but like like uh, I, I think it was Donald Campbell who, who wrote in 1975 that any social indicator that uh, is used for high-stake purposes of any kind will eventually become corrupted and useless. Finally, for this first part of our digest, we will recount the conversation with Dr. Judy Willis. Judy uh, is a neurologist and classroom teacher. She is a, a true legend, a best-selling author, an international speaker and researcher. And Dr. Willis is widely recognized as a pioneer in the application of neuroscience to learning and, and education. Um, in, in our conversation, Judy shared with us some of the latest findings on neuroscience applied to education and how in this promising field we, we haven't seen the, the best yet, the best is yet to come. It was action reward or action penalty. It was based on very narrow parameters, right and wrong, yes and no. So as it's blossomed, the power of it is the brain benefits by the more connections, the more variable opportunities. The years and the euro years are powerful influences, but I want people to know that no matter what level of development in the brain a child is born with or has even when they're two or three years old, Neuroplasticity is always there. So we're all born with a new brain each day. So there's not a cutoff point when you can build a brain strength. There's not. So we don't know what's coming next. We need to prepare any learner for the now and with the critical thinking to evaluate future applications of technology and AI. You have to be open to alternatives and that's so critical in a global society for collaboration, expansion of knowledge and creativity. You shouldn't draw conclusions from one application neuroscience research to your classroom or your business. What it does, it can confirm what you're doing and profoundly increase your success of taking what you know works 
and learning how it works, knowing what's happening in the amygdala and the reticular activating system and the prefrontal cortex. Be flexible. Do not invite learners to give what is the answer. That's just shutting down brains. What else, as I said before? So there is that word, what is the answer? could be eliminated from education and life because there's needs to be more than one. So don't use the word the or the. Thanks for joining us. And I hope you've enjoyed this compilation of some of our most quotable moments from, from our guests. Uh, we do encourage you to browse each one of our episodes at conversations.thelearnerspace.org. Uh, once again, that is conversations.thelearnerspace.org, where you will find not only a complete summary of each episode, but also links and references uh, to each of our guests' books, uh, websites, and relevant links. Second part of our digest is coming up next week and then we will have a, a surprise episode for Christmas. Thanks again and see you at the next one. <laughs>